Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When I was a little kid, my dad was a cop. You see, dad was a cop in Sydney in the 1980s at the height of its most corrupt, violent, bizarre period, at least as far as crime and policing went. And when I was a kid, I stumbled into some of his case files, quite literally, and saw some incredibly disturbing crime scene photos. And I was plagued by recurring nightmares for years and years. And so, one day, I decided to ask him what exactly he went through all those decades ago on the streets of North Sydney. So I pulled out a tape recorder, this tape recorder actually, and I got it all on record. I wrote a book about it, in fact. It's called Loose Units. And like I said, we went to some deep, dark, disturbing corners of policing, and it was all on the record. Well, not all of it, actually. That's why we're here. Lots of it was too strange, too horrible, too... Well, loose, funnily enough, to make it onto the pages of Loose Units. And in Loose Units, the podcast, right here every week, I'll sit down with Dad in the same room that we recorded the book sessions in, and we will go places we never did in the book itself. Enjoy. This is Loose Units, the podcast. The aim of this show every week is to give you true crime stories from John Verhoeven's time as a cop in the 80s. And um, uh, we've kind of ruined that premise straight off the bat by having a story that doesn't have you as a cop, nor is it... Uh, no, but it, um, it sort of it, it gave me a little bit of a blueprint for if, if and when... Uh, it's weird to say what I just said because at the time, you know, I had no idea that I'd become a police officer. Uh, and, and I'm really, really, really stoked and happy that I did. But, you know, as a 17-year-old, it's weird that I thought, wow, that's they were pretty decent. Because the police had a reputation back even, then. Even then? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, scary stuff. But look, um, you know, you've asked me to sort of recount some stories yeah. from my uniform days. Yeah, stuff that, stuff that happened during, what was it, the first three or four years, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've got some really good stories mm. um, that are not in the book. Okay. Um, because fortunately, I took copious notes over the probably two years in preparation for your book. Yes. And um, this, uh, I'll set the scene. I was working at Mossman Police Station, which was what was called a substation of North Sydney. So in sort of, Sydney was divided up into divisions, and North Sydney and Mossman were six division. Chatswood, 25 division. Manly, 14 division. And they were very, very particular about delineation of areas. So, you know, to go out of your area was... Well, you had to notify VKG, which is police radio. Mm. And one night we just started at Mossman and we were in car 610 and um, there was a report of, a, of shots being fired in Balgala. Now, Balgala was out of area, but because it was the change of shift around about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, 
no one had responded. So it was sort of alleged shots fired. So, but like Bagal is quite away from yeah, so, yeah from Mossman it'd be probably maybe seven kilometers, and you had to go over a bridge which is called the Spit Bridge. Yeah, but be honest, like when you hear that that nobody's responding, if you're keen enough to take the call, how long do you wait before it's technically okay to run across and try and pick up the slack? Well, that, well, if, if VKG, you know, we responded because we we're in the car, and um, I was the senior man, and. Uh, we put the call through and we said, look, we're, we're available to respond. And VKG came back and said, you know, 6, uh, 610, um, copy and here's, here's the, the address. And we kind of went over there, you know, fairly urgently. Um, Who's we? Well, me and my driver. Do you remember who your driver was? No, but he was, uh, no, I don't. Okay. But uh, I seem to recall he was from the country. Uh, quite a few police back then were from the bush. What were, what were bush cops like? Uh, a bit slower, not mentally. But... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> not slower. You mean but like they just they spoke slowly? They were more um... calmer. Yeah, calmer. Sort of. They seemed to get less stressed. Whereas I was sort of like you know jumping beads on beads. God, jumping beans and methamphetamines. Because you still have uh, you know a fairly excitable mm. you know. Yeah, I still get really excited about. Nothing. All right, so you and this like slow police. Well, I, actually, I do. I do remember him quite. Actually, now that you mention it, he, yeah. he always used to wear his cap uh, crooked. It had a tilt, not back, not backwards, just no, like a jaunty sort of angle, a weird angle, which was so bizarre. Is that, you, you, surely there's like regulations against you know customizing your uniform. I wouldn't say that's customizing, but perhaps that was wearing the hat not as per the the protocols. Maybe he was wearing it normally, and his head was just crooked. <clears throat> yeah, maybe. But um, funnily enough. In the police manual for how, you know, for dress code, haircuts, moustaches, they actually had the dimensions of your moustache. Actually, I'm just trying to think. You were allowed to have a moustache. I couldn't grow and I didn't get facial hair till I was about 40. Still don't. Yep. But uh, it actually had this weird drawing, like a French sort of guy with a sort of a bit of a funny moustache with curls on the end. In the police manual. Hang on, are you sure this isn't like the picture of like under like... the <laughs> Picture of the like the because you're, you're 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 describing is like the prototypical criminal with the sack with the dollar signs drawn on it and the French stripy pajamas and the barrel. They used to call it the Penry identification kit, where they used to get like all these weird. They'd have a box of uh, like paper moustaches and oh, that sounds is that paper sounds, eyebrows and they'd make up. That's how they'd make up the the identikit. Obviously, it's all computer. It just sounds like an arts and crafts day. Yeah, well, it was. It was like that. You just you choose. You'd look into a into a box of moustaches, and you'd just go, "Yeah, it was like that." We're moving right off the subject here. Well, yeah. I mean, listeners should know that um, writing the book with Dad was like this, but tenfold. Because Dad would have tangents he wanted to go off on, but obviously, writing the book was. It, I'm not going to talk about the writing of the book. So, um, you uh, visited the moustache dimension, uh, and but but then we were before that talking about uh, the country police officer who was your driver yep. on the night where there were shots fired in Bagala. Take Correct. it away. And also, it has to be um, uh, sort of known to to the to the listener. Yeah. Uh, assuming we have listeners. Oh, don't make me cut that bit sorry, out. Sorry, sorry. It's going to be a roaring no, success. I know that. But um, for all the listeners out there that are listening, um, what was I going to say? That's right. So whenever you see a police car, it's probably the same today, but back in the the 80s. So you'd see a police car and there'd be two people generally in the car. So the driver was 
always the junior person. Mm. And the senior person, which was me on this night, uh, you're, the senior guy or girl is the one that um, makes all the decisions, decides um, at what speed they're going to go to a job. Are they going to have the lights on? Are they going to have lights and siren? All that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a really responsible position and you end up generally doing all the paperwork. So I made the call. We put it through. We were acknowledged and we started to head towards Balgala. And I'll, I'll, I can remember that night really, really clearly. We went over the Spit Bridge up, up to the top of... Um, like Seaforth? Yeah, up into Seaforth. And yeah. hung a right and started heading towards Manly. Yeah. And we knew that this job was near a post office. And because it's out of area, you don't get to... You don't really know your areas that well. But, we, you know, I'm a Northern Beaches person, so yeah. I had a feel for it. We pulled up in this side street... We turned the light on. Now, back in those days, we didn't have, you know, computerized sat-nav, computer apps. We had a UBD or a Gregory's street directory. And these books were around about an inch thick. Mm. And it was laborious. You had to get the spelling spot on. You'd go to the index. You'd go down. There'd be like 70 or 80 streets of the same name. You'd find out the suburb. You'd, You'd bring one finger down and another finger across. And where they linked up, that's where you'd go... And you would direct. That was another thing about being the, the observer. You'd have to direct the driver. So we directed. I'm directing him into this side street. We pull up. We had to turn the light on inside the police car mm. to read the map. Sure. And all of a sudden, our car was shot at. Oh, shit. We'd pulled up directly outside a siege situation. <laughs> and to say we both exited the car dramatically... Yeah. We got out the car on the driver's side, so my driver opened his door and sort of slid out and hid, and then I had to go out his way because the bullet shot had come from the left, and it was coming from a house that we'd actually parked because no one actually knew where the shots were being fired from, mm. and inadvertently we'd pulled up outside, and this guy was looking down at us, and he had a three hundred three, which is a mighty powerful gun, mm. uh, and... We were... Obviously, we called for urgent assistance, let them know we could then pinpoint the exact address. Now, here's the weird thing. It was around about quarter to 11 at night. It was a weeknight. We were pinned behind our car till 9am the next day. Get out. Can you believe it? So what do you do back there for fun? Or are you just a, you're riveted awake the whole time? Advance, because every now and again, there'd be lulls where... And obviously, it turned into a massive production, but we were... It was a really dangerous situation. They had to get the police to sort of somehow or other really safely door knock and get all the residents because they really they they realised that at night time it was relatively safe insofar as people are not walking around because mm. it was a fairly quiet street. But they realised that come six six thirty seven in the morning, everyone comes out of the house to go to work. So yeah. they basically had to to really carefully door knock and tell all the residents within a fairly big um, radius oh. that they couldn't leave the houses the next morning. So we were still pinned down. And eventually they raided this guy's house, and uh, he was asleep. He'd fallen asleep. But it was a full-blown siege. Hang on, he wasn't, like, sleep-shooting people, was he? No, no, no. But that was the thing. All night, you'd think that he was, you know, the shots had stopped, and then all of a sudden, if you moved a little bit, he'd pop one at you. But if somebody is shooting people while they're asleep, let's just follow that line of inquiry, idiotic as it is, for a minute. Let's say somebody is sleep-shooting, Yeah. Like a, like, a, like, a, like sleepwalking, but with a gun. Yep. Are they criminally liable? It's a good question. Um, is it? Well, 
I don't know, to be honest with you. <laughs> but because like, technically, that's you know, it's got to be adjacent to the insanity plea because it's not technically they're not doing it under their own steam, right? Um, I don't know whether that'd be a defence, but it'd be difficult to prove. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a silly question, quite frankly. Okay, so he's asleep. Yep. Uh, no, he was sleeping intermittently. Well, yeah. So every time he woke up, he'd drop a let, you know, let a few go, mm. and then he'd get B- up bullets. You mean bullets? Okay, but we didn't know. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. That's right. So, okay, so were you present for the moment when the sleepy boy was extracted from yes. his yep. nest? Okay, that was pretty brutal. Right, what, what do you mean? Well, the police that went in were, you know, they're obviously pumped up. Mm. They have a mission. That's scary. It's basically going into an unknown situation. Back in those days, they didn't have U-butte cameras and things. They could slide under doors and, you know, mm. suss the whole thing out. It was very much sort of on the spur of the moment policing. Okay, so... Um, you didn't go in with them? No, God, no. You were... We were dying to get home. We were tired. Oh, you you, you were going to clock off, right? Yeah. So, oh, well, actually, the good news is that I got two hours overtime. Okay, well, I'm, our listeners can, you know, rest easy in that knowledge. Yeah. Um, so, do you, did you ever find out why he was taking pot shots? It was a domestic. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But you had a, a tough um, relationship and he just decided to vent by shooting people. So who, I'm assuming, okay, I'm just trying to piece together more of a picture of uh, who he was, why no he was doing it. No idea? No. So what, what did he, what would you charge him with? Oh, that'd be that'd be major. Some indictable offence of, you know, firearm offences. Okay. Possibly, uh, maybe attempted murder, police, all that sort of stuff. Did he hit the car at any point? Mm, no, but it was bloody close. How do you know? Part of my head. No, it didn't. <laughs> Sounds good though. It sounds great. Yeah. It's a shame you you know, shame you admitted that wasn't real. Um. Okay. So, and how long had he been uh, in the police force at that point? Oh, only about two years. 
Okay, so you were out of uh, you were out of training, yeah, out of my probation. Um, I've been on on the road for about um, you know a year, and then they decided to make me senior senior person, the observer, which you could do in the police force back then. Golly, after maybe twelve months. Okay, but you'd be sort of on a fairly junior car, mm. so you weren't like on on the, the divisions most important car which like, in that case was 6-1 yeah I was going to say 6-1 so what car were you in the night you were shot at 6-10 and what kind of car was that a sedan Just a- and, and back in those days uh, I don't know whether anyone will remember but you know like today all police cars are a standard colour mm. but back in those days not only did we have multiple coloured cars and some of the cars were the colours were quite frankly horrendous oh like, like Thunderbirds you got your green and one greens, your yellow one greys browns blues we even had pink and we had Falcons, Holdens, mm. Valiants. Some Valiants had vinyl roofs. Oh. It, was a, it was a hodgepodge of, of shit, basically. It was embarrassing sometimes. But who picks the cars? Look, they were just sort of... It's uh, a good question. Are they appropriated from police auctions? Are they seized no, no, they're goods? Brand or? New. No, they're brand new. But mm. maybe just... Look, it was weird. But you no, have, you, my, my issue is you have a uniform, right? Yeah, yeah. But if the cars were an indication, you could have all just been wearing whatever you wanted. True, right? true, true. But the, the weird thing also about uniforms is that when I joined the police force and you know came out um, at North Sydney in general duties in 1981, uh, back in those days, they it was not deemed suitable to see a police officer's appointments. Appointment being... Gun, yeah, handcuffs, penis, etc. Yeah, so everything was concealed. But when you think about it, in a stress situation, if you're going to be, or if you have to pull your gun out really, really quickly, yes. you'd, you'd be fumbling because it'd be sort of un- tucked in underneath the, this long sort of tunic. Yeah, and really, really dangerous. Whereas the police now, you'll notice, have got everything really, really um, easy to to access. But yeah. having said that, the the guns we used to use, which um, was the thirty eight. Smith and Wesson, or thirty-eight police special, yeah. with special ammunition, mm. which was useless. The theory behind that, I think you've touched on that in the book. About, yes, yeah. So the stuff just, that shreds through, you know, it's supposed to go in and then down and not go through, like in a Dirty Harry movie when you know he lets a forty-four Magnum go go in the street. The reality, and he and he, and he blows some mm. fucker away. The reality in in America on any, on any street is that he would, in reality, probably kill. Hmm, let me think. The forty-four Magnum, he could kill maybe five people. The, gu- the bullets just keep going. Yeah, okay. um, you know, one flimsy bit of flesh and bone does not stop the so, projectile. So the point of the police special ammunition is to stop at the person you hit and not carry through. Yeah, it was designed to go in, I believe, two inches, and then travel down and just basically destroy internal uh, organs. But there was a very famous case when I was in the police force. A police officer was shot. Um, and he returned fire, I think it was in Goulburn back in the 80s. In fact, there were a few cases where police actually shot at crims close range. And I'll never forget, in one case, the police officer unloaded his entire um, six shots yeah. into a guy, and the guy kept coming. Didn't stop him. And that's when they began to realise that the ammo was shit. Right. I mean, whereas... But I guess the good thing was in those days... Because in in a stressful situation, you're you don't want to be fumbling around with safety things. So mm. all the revolvers that we had back then had no safety. So you'd take them out of your holster, you'd aim, and you'd just pull the trigger. Oh Jesus! No safeties. That's in my opinion a really good thing. 
can you imagine in a stress situation you go to pull your gun out you go to shoot the guy girl yeah. or whatever and you have to like and ass- then you go hang on a sec it's not firing the yeah. stress is I mean you've been on a shooting range you and I went to Thailand yes um, a few months ago we fired the gun that you fired we fired the actual uh, 38 special yeah which was fantastic it was very strange was- you appreciate when you've got your, your headphones on and mm. you can hear your heart pumping and it's it's it's, it's you know, it's not a sort of a, it's not a toy. They're also very okay. If if uh, being able to deploy the weapon very quickly without safety precautions is an, is is actually a helpful thing in in a pinch, um, doesn't that open up a whole litany of risks? If, for example, your first instinct is wrong, or do you know what I mean? Do I you... I have a real problem today. Yeah. I watched that footage last week in Melbourne. Yes, and for those of you that. Well, I think everyone in Australia saw the, the situation and I watched that and I tip my hat to the police. I thought they really, really gave that person so much leeway. Yes, I they, they, it was it was and you know, that's the, the, the other side of the pendulum where, you know, have we created a situation obviously you don't want police to just rock up and just blow people away. Well they're not cowboys, yeah. No, they're not. But yeah. then they get but the, the other end of the spectrum is that the longer they wait the more they put their own lives at risk and I, I watched that footage and it was about a minute and a half of negotiating and just you know I, I grant you that in America it's the it's it's the antithesis mm. of what we do here where yeah. they probably would have got out and perhaps even shot the guy from from their car but he's not white so he would have been dead before they arrived. True, true, true. but yeah. I think what we've what we've created you've got to put your you've got to get into the the psyche of the police officer these police officers today mm. We're no different. They're exactly the same as us. They're, they're, they're all different types of people come together, but there's a commonality in that they want to, you know, probably do the right thing and look after people and protect life and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, because of everyone's got a camera and that, and that did, that's drilled into the fact that, you know, whatever you do, you, you will be under immense scrutiny. Mm. Um, and it's a double-edged sword. My 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 true feeling is that we're creating a situation for police where they're going to take longer to come to a particular decision. Yes. And I believe, controversially but and anecdotally, that some police in the future will be shot because they hesitated. Because the the crim he he knows when he's going to shoot. The police officers are reacting to a situation. Yeah, uh, it's a thing of last resort, obviously. But in that situation that I watched, it, it was almost like it was painful to watch because I'm thinking to myself: at any point, this yeah. guy could could do something terrible, and they they really went above and beyond. But perhaps look, it's a whole topic within itself. Well, I wanted to ask actually because the guy who uh, fired the shot. I could be wrong, but I believe he'd been in active service for about three months. If you'd been, did you? I'm trying to figure out what 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 you think it w- would be like to be that green as an officer and have to actually discharge your weapon. I don't, I don't think the time in the police force is relevant at all. If you've had good training, the day you walk out of that academy, yeah. the day you walk out, and that could be your first job, you do what you're trained to do, whether it be one 
shift in the New South Wales Police Force or the West or, or the Victorian Police, doesn't matter which police force. Mm. Uh, and then if you've been in the job 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, sure, you might have more street smarts. But at the end of the day, like in skydiving, if you have a malfunction, the training has to kick in. But that's why in the military, when something happens, they all, you know, it, it has to come back to training. So if anything, I wasn't there, but I, I've seen some footage, I would say that we need to be careful um, in terms of our, our, our policy and our policing directions insofar as um you know it's 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 a tough call and to be on the street i mean who who hasn't experienced um you know shock fear um that that rush of adrenaline and it's 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 stressful even if you see a stressful incident on the street and you're just walking past it affects people you know but to be in right in in amongst it you need to fall back on that training Mm. and and the training is you pull your gun out if you're going to shoot shoot for the, for the maximum body area, which is the chest. Uh, you know, all this bullshit people going about, oh, you know, why didn't they shoot his leg or his foot or his ear? Fucking gives me the shits. That what the fuck are they talking about? You When you pull your gun out, mm. you, you have a primary objective. And unfortunately, that is to kill the person. Oh, that's it. You shoot, right? Like you, you shoot. You know, it's not, a, it's not a trick shot situation. No, no, no. You... Well, you're, what they're doing is they're factoring that immense stress that's going through you. And if, if you're going to try, start... You know, police officers that are on the street are not, you know, your general duties police, they're not sharpshooters. You know, they're not sitting there for 10 minutes or an hour with a high-powered rifle with one bullet because they don't miss. Mm. And they give them the, the order to shoot. Those guys, that's a different scene. But when you're actually in amongst it. And, you know, sometimes police make the wrong decision. Yeah. And it's seen by the public because, let's face it, we all crucify people by media, social media now, instantaneously which is the downside of social media. So the police are treading a very fine line. When you pulled up at that house in Bargala, you obviously, the two of you, had guns. Yep. At any point, did you consider... No way. Okay. Not a chance. Well, you don't actually know where the guy is. Mm. You don't... That's... No, never. If you would contemplate going up and looking for that guy and blowing him away... Well, you shouldn't be a cop, I assume. You know, that that would never enter your mind. Today, I don't know, but, you know, there are protocols, obviously. But, you know, I do actually like to get to the end of my shift. <laughs> that and movie trope. And preferably alive. Yeah, the movie trope of we can take him is so insane oh, to me. You know. Yeah. But real policing is, um, it's amazing. You know, when, when the body, um, when you're just driving along cruising and you, you see and something exciting happens and you... And, Look, it's just, it's a buzz. Sadly, that's all the time we have on this week's episode of Loose Units, the podcast. Now, don't forget to tune in next week for a whole other set of stories, which I didn't or couldn't put into the book. And don't forget, speaking of the book, Loose Units is in bookstores nationwide. So head out right now, if possible, just put the phone down and go grab a copy of the book. It's crammed with insane true crime stories from the time Dad spent on the force in the 80s in Sydney. Also... Huge news. This is this is breaking news, by the way. The audiobook of Loose Units is officially happening. You can stop pestering me. It's happening. It'll be out May 2019. It's going to be huge. So keep your eyes on this space for more news as it drops. Now, next week on Loose Units, the podcast, Dad and his partner have a hectic run-in with senior brass in the Australian Navy, and you'll find out exactly how an ex-cop with little to no impulse control deals with a noise complaint. It's a cracker of an episode, so don't miss it. See you then.
Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.